Hi friends, welcome to my episode two. So, my husband and I, we listened to S-Town this weekend. We started it on Friday, finished it last night on Saturday, and um, wow, was it heavy. A friend of mine at work, um, he noticed that I listened to um, podcast um, most of the day at work uh, when I'm not on the phone, and he recommended it to me. It's, um, it, it came out in 2017, and he'd asked me a couple times, hey, did you ever check that out? And finally on Friday, I decided to listen to most of the first episode. Immediately told my husband he had to check it out because it was just completely captivating. Uh, by the time I got to the second, the end of the second episode, I called my husband and I told him to stop. Um, I will be spoiling S-Town, um, talking in depth about, um, John B. Um, and, and what he had gone through. So, if you have not heard it and you were thinking about, uh, listening to it, then I recommend you not listen to any more of this podcast and go check that out first. So, with that being said, S-Town came out, um, in March 2017 it was narrated by Brian Reed, and he's the uh, interviewer. It's from the same folks that did Serial and This American Life. The story follows John B. McLemore. Uh, he was an antique uh, clock repair person. I think they call it a horologist. And... Um, and just his his life in um, a small town in Alabama that he refers to as shit town. It is in Woodstock, Alabama, which is a part of Bibb County. So, Keith, what did you think about S Town? It kind of blew me away. It just was a heck of an adventure. It started as one thing and and uh, led you down a crazy path and. Just ended up getting to like the guy and can kind of relate to him and just being kind of a lonely person and uh, not being able to relate to anyone around you. you know. I felt the same way. Like, I immediately thought, who is this hick? And then the next 10 minutes, I was like, oh my goodness, this guy's a genius. As soon as he, like, spouted out the coordinates to the maze that he had created at his yeah. house, I was like, oh, my gosh, for anyone to have memorized their home coordinates, like, okay, maybe they're they're educated. Don't let that country twang right. throw you off, which is something that I experience a lot at work. People hear, oh, she's got a twang to her voice, so... Maybe she's not educated. No. So, and then I did the same stereotype on John. I thought, oh, listen to this hillbilly talk. What? He's just crazy. And I was so surprised. Yeah, he just had driven himself crazy by how active his brain was. His brain just never stopped. He was definitely a genius. Yeah, I com completely agree. So... By the end of the second episode, can you call podcast episodes? Is that how? Yeah, that's, that's how can we say second out. episode? Yeah. 
<laughs> so by the end of the second episode, we learn that this genius has committed suicide. Um, and I instantly got sad. Just very, very sad. And that's why I called you and said, you've got to stop listening to mm -hmm. this. Because recently you had a friend commit suicide. And that's also been something you've dealt with a lot in your life. Comparatively to most people, you've lost several people to suicide. Um, and so I didn't want you at work listening to this and then getting emotional. Or I wanted to be with you when you heard that news on the podcast because I knew that this was a person that you were going to relate to his geniusness, his anger, his kind of disgust for the area that he was living and seeing people being mean to each other. Um, I, I knew that you would relate to him and I knew that you would instantly bond to this guy. I say character, even though he's a, a real person, but yeah. you, you would instantly bond to this character and then when I knew what was going to happen I I knew that you would be just as upset as as I was um so his suicide do you think that it could have been prevented or do you think that I his think it was inevitable I mean, he had, just because he wouldn't ever leave home, so he was always surrounded by that, no matter what. He wouldn't allow himself to leave, so I think it was an inevitable thing. But you learn from listening to other people's stories about him that he talked about killing himself a lot. I mean, everyone. Everyone said that there were multiple occasions where he either mentioned writing his suicide note, he was going to kill himself. If you don't come over, I'm going to kill myself. That it kind of turned into, I, I think a lot of, uh, for a lot of people, it was sort of like the boy who cried wolf that he mentioned it so many times that they stopped believing him. No one, no, there was one guy who really tried to get him help. Um, but it was like no one, no one knew how to help him except by giving him the attention he wanted when he didn't get that attention at the end is when he finally decided to do it. But we learned that, um, most likely he had mercury poisoning, which is like the Mad Hatter's disease that you hear of, which is. Yeah. so incredibly rare anymore but it drives people crazy and so when you take a genius in a small town of people he can't relate to with this mercury poisoning that causes people to go mad it was the perfect storm for this to have happened would would you agree absolutely like he, I mean, he even said, had he ever gotten out of the town that he was at, I mean, he would have had a chance, surely, to thrive in a different atmosphere, but he was just stuck. He stuck himself in a hole, and 
was looking for something that in the end he never really got. I mean, he got attention, you know, but that wasn't technically what he was looking for. He was looking for a, an in-depth partner to be able to share life with, and he never really experienced that. So do you think that loneliness was the key to his demise? I mean, to him. I mean, to everyone else, like you said. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't technically lonely, but... He told himself he was lonely because he never got what he actually, what he wanted. So in the end, he was lonely in his own mind. So it didn't really matter to him anymore. So in, in talking about suicide, um, I have posted on my Facebook page uh, a link to donate to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's the talk line that... It's a 1-800 number people can call whenever they're feeling like they want to hurt themselves, could hurt themselves, um, are about to, or just really feeling depressed and don't have anywhere to turn. Um, it's, a, it's a line that people call into, and I'm asking that um, people donate to that. The phone number is 1-800-273-8255. Uh, which spells out talk. It's, so it's 800-273-TALK. And um, I feel very strongly about about this, not only because you've lost so many people um, to suicide, but also our 16-year-old daughter had thought about hurting herself. Um, she was hospitalized early last year because she made a mistake and wasn't sure how to handle the mistake and thought that that was her only option. So preventing suicide and allowing people to not feel lonely or, I don't know, it, just looking for any type of resources to help people um, it's important to me. It's important to me that people know that it's a thing, to know that it's going to be okay. And um, do you want to talk about some of the people you lost? Um, not right now, I don't think. Well, what about when you were in high school? How many How many friends did you lose in high school? I mean, there was one big one that... Whenever I was 15, he shot himself, and I guess technically it was an accident, maybe, but it definitely changed the way I looked at life, you know, I mean, I just dove right in, <laughs> tried to find the end of the path, and how deep can you go down the rabbit hole before, you know, how does a kid die, that doesn't make, it never made any sense to me, you're supposed to be old when you die, but it never made any sense that uh, you could just press a button and now you're dead just because of some accident that you made or some stupid choice that you made. Ashamed to talk about it, you know, is really what it boils down to is ashamed to talk about it or ashamed to call someone or whatever. And like even that guy, you know, I mean, just yelling out that you're going to kill yourself is 
you're still not going to talk about the subject. You're just throwing it out as a flag to get attention. It's a hard thing to talk about. So, you were 15 and he was also 15? Yeah. It was like, what? Uh, sometime back in the 90s, 96 or something like that. So, did you know that in Louisville, back in January, um, there was a 10-year-old fifth grader at Carrick Elementary who committed suicide? Yeah, I heard something about that. That's hard to believe. That's, I mean, 10 years old. That's really young. That's hard to imagine being put in that place at that age, you know, to have the, you know, enough to say to yourself that you have that responsibility to make that decision. It's impossible to understand. Uh, I just, I mean, this little, that, that little boy, his name was uh, Seven Bridges, and um, he was African-American. He had, um, he had um, some health condition where he had to have a colostomy bag, and kids at the school would make fun of him, and I think um, he got beat up on the bus, and he told his mom about it. Mom went to school. School wasn't really backing the situation or, or doing anything to intervene. And even the fact that this 10-year-old kid knew what suicide was exactly. or had such a, a concept of death to think that that was his only option because what he and his mom were trying to accomplish by bringing the subject up at school and it not helping, it just breaks my heart. You know, our little boy, he's nine years old, and I don't think he really has a concept of what death is or hurting yourself. No, not on an eternal level, though. I mean, you definitely want to be gone with the situation, but I guess as a kid, what you can't just run away or move away, I guess. You want to make a quick decision to change things. and There's always tomorrow, you know. So... Did you know that the suicide rates between 2006 and 2016 are up 70% for white kids and 77% for black kids ages 10 to 17 years old? That's insanity. Um, there, was, there was another fact that I'd found, and it said that admission into hospitals from 2008 to 2015 for suicidal thoughts doubled and I mean why do you think that is what is happening in our kids lives that has caused such an increase it's hard to say it's definitely connected to the cell phones in some way I mean you know some sort of immediate thing you text or say or whatever and for some people puts them in a hole or in that case you know there's been kids kill themselves over something they've typed out you know or a picture that's been taken you know and now they want to be dead it doesn't make any sense but it has to be related to the immediate gratification or lack thereof of you know, we didn't have those as kids. I mean, there was definitely suicide, but it was definitely more spread out. Well, it's like so many people think that 
oh, for a person to have committed suicide, they must be suffering from some sort of a mental illness, whether it's depression, bipolar, they're psychotic, something like that. But it, it, it seems like so many of these kids, I mean, really don't have that type of defined mental illness that it, it seems like it's a cry for help, a cry for help that goes too far. They've made a mistake and they don't know how to handle that mistake, like Callie's situation. That they're feeling this loneliness. Um, like I said, it goes to the cell phones. If you, you can, it's easy. Like if you think about suicide, like I said back in our day, there was suicide. There was no cell phones. I mean, you want to commit suicide when you think the whole world there's nothing to live for, and sometimes it gets to that point. But if you put the cell phones and the social media and the pictures and this, that, and the other, you know, it's easy to create a world where someone may not feel wanted or needed anymore. So there's definitely going to be more of that, you know. So It's not technically the world. It's something that's been created. So even though they have connection to other people, there's still this sense of loneliness. Right, because they're being this person that's stuck in this world, you know. They don't want to be themselves. It's disconnection, basically, you know. Well, um, the health insurance Cigna, they did a survey. Uh, this was two years ago. They surveyed 20,000 adults. So this wasn't even teens, but 20,000 adults. And 54% said they feel like no one knows them. disconnected once again you know you can't say that back in the 70s you know back before we were born before there was even computers you know people were connected to each other for whatever reason that's that's incredible I mean ask I can feel that I can feel it in the world you know I don't feel connected to many people at all it's it's a sad thing so so having like social media, even though it's supposed to be a community, there is no lack of, there, there is, or I guess complete lack of intimacy. Absolutely. You can be whoever you want to be and you may have a good relationship on there, you know, there's definitely a percentage of that, but. Well, sure. Cause I mean, you have people who, you ha you know, you, you look at your friends on Facebook and I know that you don't have Facebook, but uh, when I, when I go on there. You have some friends who post nothing but look how awesome my life is type pictures and mm. I don't have any problems and, and that sort of thing. You have other people who all they do is rant, rave, and bitch about how unfair <laughs> things are or whatever Perception their views are. Times, I mean, there is very little like middle ground, ground of, hey, I had a great day today or hey, I didn't have such a good day today. But for a person like me who I don't post a whole lot of anything anymore um, because I started to go down a weird path with it where I was just way too involved in seeing what are people doing, you would, you would feel like, oh my gosh, does Susie Q ever have a problem? Why can't I have <laughs> Susie Q's cute house and her catalog life, you know, full of all these awesome Pinterest ideas? Yeah. Versus my just real world 
life, you know, and, and so people start to compare themselves, Absolutely. you know, to these things that are, are not the full picture. And I think that for teenagers who they have, they have yet to experience the world on their own. I, I don't know. I mean, their, their perception is so skewed that they don't have. It's a lot of pressure to put on, man. I mean, I, I agree, but. You should, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. You should definitely be experience the world. I mean, this whole technology thing is a good tool, but you definitely have to experience the world before you know you're allowed to. We thrust that upon them, even as in younger than James's age. You know, in elementary school, we're thrusting it upon them. You know, it's it's a bad, scary thing. Well, and I I want to talk about Kyle. Oh. Kyle Lakes, um, he committed suicide on January the 6th, uh, this year. He was 27 years old, a very good friend of yours. You all worked together for how long? Oh, for several years, off and on, he would come around. Good kid, really good, just country kid. Um, made mistakes. Made people laugh. Cared about, it seemed like everyone. And the thing that really struck me with Kyle, when you would go to his Facebook page, he had almost a thousand friends listed on his social media. A thousand friends. And he, it, it tears me up that out of those thousand people, he did not feel like he could go to anyone for help. And and that's the other thing I think about that suicide lifeline, that if you feel like you can't talk to somebody that you're close to, maybe just by calling someone who isn't involved, they don't have a dog in the fight, and talk to someone just openly about how you're feeling would keep something like that from happening. Because Kyle had come out of a, a bad situation. He was lonely, and that's best as we can put the pieces together. That's what happened. Yeah, lonely and sad. And like you said, with a thousand Facebook friends, obviously. He'd been disconnected, you know. He just was really lonely and sad in a moment. And either made a choice or accidentally made a choice or whatever you want to say, but the uh, final destination is there. He was in that moment and felt like you had no one to reach out to. I mean, definitely calling that, talking to a stranger if you have to, putting it out in the world, that would definitely save at least one life, you know. Saving one life is better than none. But there's lots of people who go through that every day, you know, making that same choice. Some people make the bad choice, some of them make it through it, but it's a sad thing. It's hard, it's hard to talk about, you know. I know. Well, I know just recently I've had many times, especially like in my work life, um, where there's some days where I just feel so damn lonely and like 
those are long, rough days. I've worked at that company for almost seven years now, very close to a lot of people, and days where you're feeling lonely and disconnected from people one-on-one, face-to-face, I mean, that hurts. It hurts, and you feel like no one understands, and then I see how dangerous it could be for someone to get stuck in a cycle of that isolation of any sort yes you know, forced and I, isolation or... well and they're teaching kids about that now like where the isolation um isolating kids is is a form of bullying and i mean you can do that to adults oh, too yeah. you know but how not being talked to or being um, brought into the group or sat with at lunch or whatever, how that is just as damaging as being called a name. Absolutely. And that can go with parents too, you know, isolating their kids or just not paying attention to them. That can definitely change the way a kid grows up. Right. I mean, we have three kids, so it's really hard because we have... The 16-year-old who she's experiencing all the things for the very first time from, you know, with our kids, you know, she's the first to drive. She's the first, you know, because she's the oldest. So she gets a lot of attention there. We have our middle daughter, Lily. She is so artistic and talented in so many ways, and we give her a lot of uh, encouragement in that. And then we have the baby, you know, Mm -hmm. he's nine. And so because he's the baby, he gets a lot of attention that way. And there are some days where it's like, oh, crap. Like, I've hung out with this one all day and haven't hung out so much with the other two. Or, wow, do we pine over this one too much today and not enough on the other ones? I mean, it, it, it's such a juggling act. And it can be done on accident sometimes, you know. It, it doesn't always have to be something malicious. I mean, everybody has bad days, and sometimes you never know when somebody's having a bad day. You can assume someone's having a normal day, and then, like you said, people like Kyle and other people, you know, no one ever asked. Some people aren't going to say something, you know, and unfortunately, you just have to talk to people. You just have to keep talking. Right. That's the way they've won. They've got us isolated because we've stopped talking to each other in real life. And just because your Facebook post said that you had a great day, maybe you didn't have a great day. And maybe you're trying to surround yourself with positivity, but it's just not working today. And no one's talked to you. And you just never know what somebody's going through. And for anyone who you care about, I mean, you have to just communicate with them. That's what I can't communicate with very many people, but people that are in my world, you know, I definitely want to talk to them. Well, and. Um, like at work, since I've been there, um, there's been, um, one person who I'm really close with, his brother worked for my company, was not working there when I was hired, um, but he committed suicide. And then since I've been there, we've had two active employees, same thing. It is an incredibly high-pressure job 
and then add, you know, all of other life's, you know, challenges on top of that. I've really tried, especially at work, and, and it's so damn hard sometimes, but to be a smiling face, to say hello. I mean, and there are my days where I will just look at the floor and keep walking because because some days I'm having that day where I need somebody to be nice to me, you, to you know? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you're right. We never know what is going on with somebody else. And just a moment of kindness can change so much for someone. And I, and I really hope that that's something that people can do more of. It's just throw out moments of kindness. You, you don't know what's going on. Whether it's something that's, you know, a psychological issue or a financial issue or they just feel lonely that day or whatever the case may be, uh, they just, they just need somebody to be nice or just not be shitty, (laughs) you know? So I I really, um, I'll start to wrap this up, but I, I really do ask that people just be a little kinder you know let's take care of each other Uh, again please uh, if if you're able um, please donate to the suicide prevention lifeline or if you need that number it is 800-273-TALK that's 1-800-273-8255 uh, kind of going back to uh, S-Town, the quotes on the sundials um, that John B. talks about, yeah. how beautiful and poetic. Yeah, um, those are awesome. I want to get one now, you know. I know. Um, but he, uh, I don't know, he, he said one, and it really, uh, they're all kind of, some of them are really happy, and some of them are just really kind of dark and sad, but puns on time. You know, yeah, the and who doesn't like a good pun? <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite one that I'd like to uh, end with is "All hours wound and the last kills." But you guys take care of each other and remember to smile. Um, and if you can't smile, ask for some help. Love you guys and have a good evening.